Hey there, welcome to Anatomy Bites, the show where we talk about anatomy in bite-sized chunks. Who would have guessed? I'm your host, Nick. I'm a first-year Doctor of Physical Therapy student, as well as a longtime fitness professional, and I have a huge passion for talking about health and wellness. Occasionally, we'll talk about the PT school experience and some other topics related to health as well. So thanks for joining us. Let's jump on in and get on with the show. Welcome back to Anatomy Bites, you guys. We're interrupting COVID-19 coverage for some actual anatomical content. So maybe you're tuning into this episode because you've been given a chart off of a textbook or PowerPoint slide with the title cranial nerves at the very top and a bunch of text and told to memorize it. Maybe you have no idea what a cranial nerve is. Good luck with that. <laughs> Rep memorization is boring, you guys. And especially for this type of content, I have learned over many courses that associative learning works the best for me. So at this point in your education, whether you're in undergrad or whether you're in PT school like me or whether you're a med student or whatever, maybe you have found yourself in the position of, oh my God, I got to know what these cranial nerves are and what they do and the numbers and all of that. And I am overwhelmed. So I am here to share a few of the tips that I have come up with that help me learn the cranial nerves in probably four, at least four or five classes by now. All of my anatomy series, my neuroanatomy, my undergrad, we've had to do this again and again. And so I've come across some really helpful tips and I hope these work for you too. So what are the cranial nerves? Why do I have to learn them? Well, first and foremost, I'm just gonna say, if you are in any kind of medical profession that deals with anything from the neck up, you are gonna have to know your cranial nerves. Whether that's PT, speech language pathology, OT, uh, medical school, obviously, dental school, you're gonna have to know your cranial nerves very likely. And the reason why is that these nerves have to do with functions from the head up, from the neck up, actually. So what are they? Well, a broadly accepted definition is these are the 12 nerves that are part of our peripheral nervous system that originate in the brain and the brainstem. Think about it. Why is it called a cranial nerve? Because it originates inside of your cranium, right? So an important dis dis point of distinction is peripheral versus central nervous system. If you're not quite clear on what that is, I would say pause this episode now, go Google it or look in your textbook for the differences between the PNS and the CNS, and then come back because this is an important distinction. We wanna make sure that we know that the cranial nerves generally are accepted as part of the peripheral nervous system, even though they start in the brain and brainstem, okay? So I wanna say though that this, these are contrasted with the peripheral nerves that originate in our spinal cord which are called spinal nerves. So we have those two different categories. Um, some of these nerves are afferent or sensory, some of them are efferent or motor, and some of them have mixed sensory and motor components. 
Mostly these have to do with the head and neck regional function, like I mentioned. Um, there's some other stuff outside of that, but I'm not going to get into that now. Um, so these functions include your special senses, which are taste, vision, hearing, smell, and equilibrium. Or they have to do a sensation in the face and the head. Sensation, by that I mean things like light touch, pain, and vibration. Or they have to do with movement of the muscles of the face, mouth, throat, and then throwing in the upper trapezius muscle. If you're lucky enough to work with cadavers and to even have the opportunity to work with a brain that has been removed from a cadaver, you can see these nerves firsthand. It's actually an incredible experience and probably one of the highlights of my PT school career so far was looking at a human brain. If you don't have the opportunity to work with a cadaver brain, um, if you're brave enough, you can Google cadaver photos or even pick up uh, a copy of, let's say, like Anatomy, a Photographic Atlas by Rohan, Yokochi, and Luchtin Dreckel. Um, I don't have this text myself, but I did peruse the preview on Amazon and it looks pretty amazing. So um, if you want, I can throw the link to that in the show notes. If cadavers aren't quite your thing, but you want the most detailed and lifelike type of illustrations there are, I highly recommend picking up a copy of Netter's Atlas of Human Anatomy. This is a standard text in our program for PT and pretty much any physical therapy student out there is going to have a copy of this. It's fantastic. And I will also link to that in the show notes. One more thing about these cranial nerves, you might be wondering, do I have to use the Roman numerals? And the answer, unfortunately, is yes. You have to use the Roman numerals, so if you want to abbreviate your cranial nerves, the proper way to do it is capital C, capital N, followed by the Roman numeral. It's just the way it goes. Sorry to break it to you, but you're going to have to know what those Roman numerals are. And before I jump into the actual study tips themselves, I just want to say what this recording is not. It is not me going through each and every cranial nerve telling you what they are and what their functions are. I plan to do that coming up in individual episodes, applying the study techniques that I present here. So what we're gonna talk about right now is just how the heck do you go about approaching this topic so that you can start to organize your study on your own. Got it? Now for the study tips. So like I mentioned earlier, associative learning is the best way for me. Rote memorization, while I can do it, it doesn't stick for very long. So that's why I've had to come back again and again and again through my education, because basically the first time I took anatomy in undergrad, we got this chart, we got this PowerPoint, professor said, just learn them. And that's how I thought I had to do it. And then coming back again in PT school, covering cranial nerves again, and, oh man, this has been so long. I kind of remember, I kind of don't, oh. And so you go on and you were fine. So if you wanna try just the rote memorization, good for you, but if you need to come back and revisit this, here are a, different, um, a few different ways to categorize and organize your cranial nerves, which will help you make those associations stick. And the more associations you can make, I have found it will be easier for you to learn what you need to know when you're studying the cranial nerves. So first and foremost, uh, nomenclature. 
I think once you break down anything in anatomy by nomenclature and look at the root word, it pretty much tells you what it is, whether it's a muscle or uh, a nerve. When you look at anatomy, it often tells you in the name what it is. The problem is it's usually in Latin or sometimes Greek. And every once in a while, a body part is named after somebody who ever discovered it, and then it's kind of a pain. So get used to Googling things as you're studying anatomy, guys. It's crucial. As soon as you come across something you don't know, it's in Greek or Latin, Google it. It's gonna tell you exactly what that body part does. So um, I'm not gonna go through all of them, but just a few examples of these cranial nerves. You have some of the more obvious, like cranial nerve two, the optic nerve. That one is actually not in Latin or Greek, but it tells you what it does. The optic nerve has to do with vision. Then you have something like cranial nerve six, abducens. Hmm, what's that? Abducens, it looks like the word abduct. And you're right, it abducts the eye. You also have, let's say, um, trigeminal. This is cranial nerve five. Trigeminal, meaning triplets. And you'll learn later that there are three main components of the trigeminal nerve called V1, V2, V3 that you'll need to know. So make sure that when you look at your cranial nerve chart and you look at the actual name of those nerves, break it down and it'll pretty much tell you already something about the function or the location of that nerve. So nomenclature is number one. Numerical order is gonna be number two. This one is kind of the obvious way to memorize and you do need to know the, the numbers as I mentioned. You need to know them in their Roman numerals and you need to know them in order. So the best way for this one unfortunately is kind of rote memorization, but you can use a mnemonic for this. There's a couple out there. There are some that are a little bit more inappropriate. There are some that are a little bit more appropriate, so be careful what you Google, but um, mnemonic devices will help you at least to learn the order of them. So for example, a good one is ooh, 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 to touch and feel very good velvet, such heaven. And if you're unclear on what a mnemonic device is, is you're gonna look at the first letter of that phrase um, for each word, and it's going to associate with the first letter of that cranial nerve. So for example, the first O in the OO is olfactory. The second is optic, the third is oculomotor, and so on. So there are others out there, and I will let you Google those and find out what they are. The third category of associative learning for your cranial nerves is going to be the functional category. So what does this nerve actually do? Is it motor? Is it sensory? Or does it have a mixed function where it does both? And you want to know, of course, the function, not just if it's motor or sensory or mixed, what senses or muscles does it actually either give you information for or control, okay? So this is gonna be a key component of your cranial nerve chart, is what does it do? What does it do? What category of function is it? Motor, sensory, or mixed? Number four is going to be the exit foramen. If you're wondering what the heck is a foramen, 
it's basically a hole and it's going to be where in the cranium does it exit there's if you've never seen a skull model or uh, an actual donor cranium there are lots and lots of holes and what those holes are for is either for entry of like blood vessels for example or exit of blood vessels nerves etc so you're going to have to know the exit foramina for not only the nerve but some of the branches too so the best way i found to learn this is by getting yourself uh, access to a hands-on model right now with online learning for a lot of us in this coronavirus uh, time, it's going to be a little bit difficult if you don't already have access. So if that's the case that you're in, unfortunately, you're probably just going to have to work with what you have as far as internet sources. One app I can highly, highly recommend is called Visible Body. And it's a little bit expensive. I think I bought it on sale for a dollar like three years ago, but I think normally it's about 25 bucks. But there's other apps out there that are 3D. If you have an iPad or uh, some kind of device, you can often rotate and dissect and take apart uh, different areas of the body. And so you're gonna wanna look at where those foramina are and you can see those nerves coursing out. So you wanna know what the exit foramina is. So what do we have so far? Nomenclature, numerical order, functional category, exit foramina, and now something for the more advanced students. If you're taking neuroanatomy, you're gonna need to know the nuclei names and locations. If you're like, uh, what's a nuclei again? Or what's a nucleus? In the central nervous system, we wanna look at neurons and their anatomy and the nuclei in the central nervous system are a collection of cell bodies of the neurons or the collection of the soma. So these are going to be your gray matter in the central nervous system. So the nuclei are the soma of the cranial nerve neurons and the nerves themselves are actually the bundles of the axons and axon terminals. So unfortunately, when you're grouping by the nuclei names and locations, this is where I hate to break it to you that the nuclei names are not always obvious and they don't always have to just do with the cranial nerve itself. Sometimes they're grouped together. So unfortunately, your oculomotor nucleus is not just gonna be called oculomotor nucleus. It's gonna be a bunch of little nuclei, including the Edinger-Westfall nucleus. Um, another example of this is the nucleus ambiguous, which has the soma for not only cranial nerve nine, but also 10 and 11. So this is where it gets tricky and you only really need to know it if you're studying neuroanatomy. So if you're in grad school, yes, you'll probably need to do it. If you're in undergrad, you can save this one for later. So those are your different categories of associative learning. So I would recommend trying to study your cranial nerves from as many different angles as possible. So break it down into these categories. First, just do the nomenclature, do the exit foramina, do the functional category, do the, the numbers. If you have to do the nuclei themselves, do that. But don't try to just attack it as far as like, I'm gonna read this chart over and over again. Cranial nerve one, olfactory, blah, 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 because it's going to just become really boring and it's, it's going to suck. 
Okay, so if you have questions, feel free to hit me up. I'm on Instagram at Nikki Dash Ray and I K K I D A S H R E. Eventually, do each nerve one by one to help you kind of break down these categories. But for the meantime, use these categories with your own study resources. There's also tons and tons, uh, luckily, of resources on YouTube and online. So I would recommend checking out those as well, seeing what other people recommend. But these are tips that helped me. So good luck, stay safe, stay healthy, stay inside as much as you can, and hope you're doing well in this era of COVID-19.